Hey guys, my name is Richard Green from blockchaincamp.ca. I'm your podcast host. And today we have a very special podcast for you. We have a a crypto OG, uh, Raphael, just like you have Madonna. Raphael has a first name and a first name only. Uh, He's been in the crypto space for about five years. And we want to welcome to the podcast today. It's going to be an incredible discussion. All right, guys, let's go. Guys, on today's podcast, we have a very special guest uh, we're joined by Raphael, who is an OG in the crypto space. Raphael, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. So just let the the listeners know a little bit more about yourself and sort of how you got into the crypto space and give some insight into your experience. So um, I'm not like a, a huge OG, but um, when I first heard about Bitcoin, it was in like around 2013, late 2013. I had uh, some classmates in school, you know, they bought drugs on their deep deep web and whatnot, and we started to talk about Bitcoin because we saw it as a cool way of just making money for mining, and they basically, yeah, they introduced me to mining. Gotcha. So you came into the game in 2013, and you started as a miner. Yeah. Amazing. Were you mining Bitcoin? Yeah, I was mining Bitcoin. <laughs> Did you mine anything else? Amazing. And uh, how did that play out for you? Uh, I did pretty well. I mean, that's not like all the money that I had in crypto. But yeah, I mind, I mind a good bit. But nothing, it's not like I didn't mind like a million bucks. Yeah, not close to that. Gotcha. But still, if you started mining in 2013, five years ago, I mean, not sure the hash rates or the returns, but uh, the numbers say you probably did fairly well for yourself. Oh, well, back then I know some people were mining using a Raspberry Pi, so yeah, didn't so really I, take uh, a whole I lot. I had those flash drive miners. I don't know if you've seen those. I would just get a giant USB hub and just plug in like four or five of those. So give us an idea. How much uh, Ethereum were you mining on a day-to-day basis or a week-to-week basis? Um, it was almost with my with my GPU rig. It was close to three Ethereum per in a week. Yeah, three ETH a week. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, ETH was what fifteen hundred US at the high in January. Yeah, not so too four, bad. Fourteen hundred something. Yeah. So in this past five years, Raphael, um, how have you seen the market change? Because you have you have a unique perspective. A lot of people came in 2016, 2017, kind of late uh, to the market. You kind of seen quite a lot of changes. I assume. Well, what I are some of the things you observed? any market knowledge right i was like 15 16 years old when i really got into this and when i was 17 i still didn't have like market knowledge or anything like that i didn't study the stock market that well i didn't really know metrics or anything like that like what market cap can be what's market tam it was kind of just like a guessing game gotcha so um what i'm hearing is that you started up mining but then it was kind of trial and error in terms of your investment approach Basically, and it was, yeah, mainly luck. <laughs> well, it takes a lot of guts to get in the game, first of all, but uh, 
to be around after five years. I think it takes a bit more than luck. Uh, well, I mean, that's what happens when you're on the computer all day. You hear about everything that happens in any space. So, so over these five years, um, I'm sure you've seen a lot of market cycles. Uh, we've been in this downtrend, this bear market since January. It's been, what, nine, ten months, give or take. Um, how has this bear market compared to previous years um, that you've experienced, and how have you been able to manage to get through it? Um, that it wasn't as, from what I remember, it wasn't as bad as it is now because now it's like all coins in terms of how and how much divisible they've gone up and down is a lot more. So there's high volatility. And- you're saying today. Yeah, there's a lot more volatility. There's much more money you could lose in the market now than the, than it was before. Because before it was like, okay, it's Bitcoin and like Monero and like other altcoins, but they, it's not like they were at like two dollars at the peak and now they're sitting at ten cents. You know what I mean? In terms of divisible, how much money you would have lost if you bought the top then versus now? I, I hear what you're saying, but I get. And on the flip side, your upside is a lot. Uh, a lot yeah, higher. More risk, more reward, yeah. Right. So as we see more money coming to the market, I guess you're saying the risk-reward yeah. ratio has kind of uh, gone into the more risky side. Yeah, it's gone insane. Now, how were you able to kind of survive over these past you know, five years? Because we have seen ups and downs. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, people hedge their positions. But what strategies can you share with us that you personally um, have been using and you think works for you? Are you fully focused on crypto? Do you diversify? What does your, your portfolio look like from a macro sp- perspective? Well, I was in school then. Um, I wasn't fully focused. I didn't also have a lot of money in crypto. The only money that I had was just to buy miners and just buy a mining rig. That's about it. But that's because it was a hard asset. I have don't I don't have like much to lose besides what I mine and its market value. But otherwise, I have hard assets. I guess that's the one quote-unquote good thing about mining is you have that uh, hedge of just selling your asset, your hard asset. But otherwise, I just huddle memed it for the <laughs> most part. Um, yeah, because that's what, I was like, I don't want to be the sucker that sells it early. And I kind of switched my approach like towards uh, late last year's when I, I was like, you know what, I'm going to swing trade this because... The rally in June is like the first like actual rally I experienced in 2017. Mm. I mean, beforehand, I didn't I didn't make much. The money that I made from crypto before the rally in June was just from mining. And Ethereum went to like 70 bucks. I like I had a decent amount of money. And then I started to get into altcoins and whatnot. And that's that's where I made like a lot of money. That's when like XRP was half a cent. It went to like 25 cents ish. And I was like. Uh, and then I kept playing hindsight on myself. I was like, if I just sold it, if I just sold it. And I was like, you know, I'll just sell some profit in the next rally. And that, that's basically how I got into it, swing trading. So what I'm hearing what you did, a lot of traders get caught in this trapped, you know, again, this hold meme, you know, hold until the moon, you know, we're going to the moon, a million dollars BTC. Uh, it's, it's a great dream to have. And we might get there over the long term, but... What what uh, pros and cons can you share with us? Um, holding and buying and selling and going off on swing trades. You know what are the pros and cons of doing doing both? Do you do both, or do you have a particular strategy you lean towards? So I mean, for the average person, I mean, since in relative to how much I had, I mean, I was like, you know, I'm just gonna buy and sell my entire thing. But now I wouldn't really do it with my entire portfolio, and I wouldn't recommend <laughs> anyone else to do it. I would just like put half of your portfolio and swing trade it. 
holding works for a lot of people, but in what we experienced in late December and June, that was a, that was an actual hyperwave. That was a complete hyperwave, and hyperwaves have uh, long time frame downsides, and that's when you you can't really time it. But what you can do is collect profits. I mean, if you're twenty extra money, you haven't sold a single thing. That's it's a bit silly. <laughs> There's a lot of stories. I saw one person said they had $8 million when they invested in X, XVG and uh, they didn't take a single cent in profit and now they're they're down below a million. Oh, wow. That sucks. So, and speaking of, you know, investing in projects and altcoins, what do you look for when investing in a project? Um, so, I like to go over white papers. They're fun to read. And you kind of get an essence of whether or not the project is full of shit. Or they're legitimately trying to make something. And also, I join their telegrams to interact with the admins and see how they respond with their approaches to uh, a random community member asking questions. And I try to make my questions as difficult as possible. See if they actually know what they're doing or it's just a money grab. I got you. So, I mean, from a miner's perspective, you're coming from a, a really strong tech foundation, it sounds like, where you can interpret the white paper, you can interact um, with the community members, the admins on Telegram or Discord. Yeah. Um, for a newer person coming into crypto, say they just opened their account two, three months ago, are you? would you recommend the same advice to go through the white paper? I mean, does someone need to have a background of knowing what the consensus models are or are, are there different strategies that you can incorporate, I guess, for a newer uh, person entering the game? Um, the first thing you should do is not rely on youtube video advice because at the moment a coin's on youtube more often than not it's too late to get in especially right. when you're following like the big youtube channels when they make a youtube video of it, it's because it's been pumping on the 24 hour percentage gain on coin market count for the past couple of days that's when you're like okay yeah it's too late to even get in so uh either smaller channels that look for these kind of quote-unquote gems before this happens you're you're better off looking on your own and making your own deciding factor whether or not uh, a coin in rank 200 or 300 has the partners, uh, the exchange listing uh, on track and funding, and also tech. I, what, I, what, or whatever they're using, like tech for, utilizing tech for to approach the market, and if they can actually be a, a top 100 contender. I just want to go a little deeper here because, I mean, what we're talking about is very qualitative. You know, we know about crypto Twitter about going on YouTube and looking up the different uh, channels. There's lots of big guys out there. But uh, when it comes down to token metrics, it's it's a it's a kind of a complicated uh, idea. A lot of people look at the numbers and say, okay, it has a billion tokens, a trillion tokens. Like, in a nutshell, is it possible to explain that uh, for, say, say, say mom and dad were coming to the crypto game? How would you explain token metrics to them? Okay, so token metrics is not hard. Fifth grader can explain what they are. Here so we go. token metrics is you you want to calculate is basically how you can approach the project with knowing its market TAM. So basically, let's just say if it's going after medicine. Sorry, let's pause there for a second. Let's let's just define what TAM is for those who don't know. So market TAM is how much of a entire market something can capture. Gotcha. So if a market TAM uh, total is a trillion dollars, then you can capture ten percent of that. And you're talking about uh, the, the overall market size of revenue that this industry can generate. Correct. Gotcha. You want to see whether or not this product is 
viable or not to really capture even 1%, 10%. Once you consider those calculations, you can uh, pre-calculate market caps that it can potentially have in the long term. And this is not indefinite because there are a lot of projects that can have high market, uh, have high market TAMs and can have high market caps. This is why uh, you want to, this is where you get into the whole, into fundamentals and whether or not uh, the team and the partners that they have and the approach they have is uh, future proof or not, or if they're just a money grab. Gotcha. You know, it sounds like there's a lot of variables that come in to make up all the components involved in token metrics. Because you know, you can look at the white paper, but then not look at the team. Yeah. Look at the team, but not look at the TAM. Look at the TAM, but not look at the token structure. So it seems to be a lot of moving yeah. pieces. And um, yeah. maybe there's not one magical solution. But there's just a variety, and I think the market has a lot to do with that. You know, in terms of the conditions, especially we're seeing good projects coming out in a bear market, but yet they're not getting those gains a lot of people are expecting. Yeah, there's not enough. Uh, there's not enough speculation on them. The market's been flooded with ICOs. That's why. There's a lot of ICOs been released, and there's a lot of fud. I know this is a word that's very sensitive to some people. Um, have you heard anything about what's happening with Bitrex or Tether? Any any thoughts on that? Um, I don't. I, I people hate Tether. Um, before I, someone told me beforehand why Tether is bad. What's wrong with it? Um, I personally don't care if it goes or stays. But what does piss me off is how many stable coins are releasing. I but, mean, what are you gonna do? If someone, let's just say someone has a, a huge portfolio. Let's just say ten million. Are they going to diversify in stable coins? Hoping one of them just stays put. That's the how, it's, it's a really bad. Uh, it's, it's not that great. Well, I guess uh, from one perspective, USDT Tether uh, control is what at least eighty to ninety percent of the market share of stable coins. I guess the idea is that if if Tether were to be dissolved or crashes, so to speak, that at least there's some sort of alternative in place. Maybe that's the idea behind it. Um, but you're saying you really don't care if Tether implodes or if it stays the same, you know. But wouldn't that have a pretty big impact on the overall market? Yeah, it would, but I, I don't really want to care about it because uh, what there are more stable coins, more money's going to flood into them indefinitely. Short-term, it's going to be bad sentiment. Short-term, bad sentiment. Uh, so worst-case scenario, Tether crashes tomorrow. Well, what's, what's the market's reaction? Uh, it's probably gonna. It's definitely gonna wick really hard up uh, because Ted's gonna dump into big. We already saw an example of that kind of happening beforehand. Yes, we saw a pump to almost seven thousand, I believe, on Bitrex just the other day. Yeah. Interesting. Um, if you had to pick three coins for the next twenty years, Bitcoin not in the top uh, in that three. Which three coins would you pick? Okay, so my approach is before I just say the coins is. Uh, I'm, in this in this space, everyone's here to make money. That's cool. But what I want to see is not only make money, is to better projects to be the new internet layer, the new trust layer on the internet. If you look at the internet today, it's, it's fundamentally flawed. When it was created, we no one thought about, okay, we should think about uh, user uh, security being on, on transacting on this open TCP IP protocol. Well, now we can. Bad actors can't be on our new internet. That's, that's what's going to make the new internet awesome. So coins that um, I'm going after are the ones with that are going to be the new internet because that's going to have the largest market TAM. You can't put a, a price tag or a market cap on a new internet layer. So that's why it's going to be probably the largest market cap coin. 
even over Bitcoin. That's what I think. And the coins that I think are going to be like this are things like Holochain, um, Elastos, and um, uh, Ontology. Interesting. I've heard a lot of people saying that they're looking for infrastructure projects. Would that be synonymous with the uh, internet layer, or is the internet layer even a, a, a completely different kettle of fish? Um, with Elastos, it's like it's utilizing off-chain and Bitcoin's proof-of-work network. It's a whole combination, which is good. And Holochain is its own separate thing, and they're selling a bunch of nodes uh, for their own entire decentralized cloud. I mean internet basically um i guess you can categorize it in the same thing yeah that's right i mean again it's at the end of the day it's a transactional layer on top of the internet gotcha and and just a side techie question a little geek question here do you think tcp ip is here to stay or will uh, a project come in to completely replace it the probability that happening is very low because again you have to you have to remember that i mean let's look how long it took how long will it take for 4G to get to 5G? It's not going to take very long because it's all wirelessly done, right? Right. And every home today is uh, hardwired into the into the current internet. Uh, the, the probability of that happening is very low because it's a physical product that built into their hands. So connection to that new internet is going to be. It's not going to be very. Uh, it's not going to be common. So we're stuck with this TCP/IP, which is. It's pretty buggy as is, um, but somehow, some way, one of these projects, those three projects you mentioned, Elastos, Holochain, um, and the last one was? Ontology. Ontology. Those three have a pretty big chance of uh, disrupting it and making it better. Yeah, they're, they're going to make the internet what they should have been. All right. Thank you, Raphael. Um, and we really appreciate your time, and uh, thank you for your advice. That was priceless. I hope you can join us again in another, uh, another podcast in the future. It would be amazing to have you on again. All right, thanks, Raphael. There you have it, guys. And uh, if you would like to follow Raphael, I'll ask for his permission for his Twitter account to link up in the description below. Thank you guys for tuning in to Blockchain Camp. My name is Richard Green. Hope you liked, enjoy this, subscribe. We'll see you guys soon. Take care. Bye for now.